You know, um, full confession, uh, my wife and I both really come from a long line of, of very accomplished, highly skilled, highly developed warriors. I mean, uh, you know, they, they, they would just worry about everything. And, and you know, from, from what people thought to the weather to, you know, you name it. It's like they worried and they did it well. And so I have a predisposition towards worry. I, I'm a very good warrior. In fact, I uh, brought uh, with me today my list of things that I can sometimes worry about. And so I, I want to share that list with you just a little bit. And um, maybe you'll identify with some of this as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I can worry about is just our world. You, you turn on the television, it's like, it's frightening, isn't it? There's all kinds of crazy things happening. It seems like every day there's something, new revelation or something happening that, what do we have going on in our politics or this pandemic? And thankfully, we're moving maybe beyond that and what's happening in our cities and just the pandemonium that, that exists. Or I worry about family and relationships. I think about um, my kids' future. You know, they're, they're young adults, and will they, adult, will they get to adulthood? Will they launch well? And what does that look like? And how do I partner in that or not? And what does it mean to be a grandfather? I mean, we, we have a, a new grandbaby. That's, that's been incredible. And what will her life be like growing up? And you kind of wonder about that. Or I wonder about my parents. And, uh, you know, they're aging now. And uh, what will life be like for them? And, and what will that mean for me? And, and how will I partner or walk with them? Whatever that means. Or I think about finances. You know, maybe, maybe it's not I'm worried about this month, but I'm thinking, well, well, will I have enough, you know? Someday I'd like to maybe go to the beach a little more often, you know? See, see some things. I don't know. You wonder about those things. Maybe worry. I, I do. I worry about work and life, and too often I'm concerned about what other, other, other people think, and I think about all that we've been through, and I, I wonder about our church. Will we thrive? You know, I call this the great reset. Like, we're in the midst of this great reset right now. We've coming out of this pandemic, and what will church life be like? And I, I worry about that. I, will we continue to thrive as a church, and, and am I doing enough? Am I enough to meet the challenges? I wonder about that, or even worry about it. Or how do I say yes or no well? I hate disappointing people. You know, how, how do I do that well? Or I think about the future. You know, what, what other things are sort of lurking out there? When will the shoe drop? You know, my, my wife and I went through about where she, she had breast cancer, and you think, oh, will that, will that come back? And, and I wonder about that. I worry. So, enough about my list. What's on your list? What keeps you awake at night? My guess is you all have something or some things that you worry about. Well, here's some good news. What if I told you that God wants you to live a life free of worry? Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, in fact, I think that's a picture of abundant life. You know, we use this, this, this John 10, 10 all the time. Jesus came to, to bring life and even life to the full, 
life abundantly and abundant life. I think abundant life is that which is worry-free, free from worry. And Jesus wants to give us that kind of life. In fact, this whole series restart is, is that idea that we can live worry-free. We can live judgment-free. We can live anger-free. We can, we can restart our life following Jesus in a way that, that uh, frees us from the, some of those things, which is amazing. And so I want to read from, from Matthew chapter 6 this morning, and I want you to hear the words of Jesus and let him speak into you. Listen to what he says. In verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And listen, I, I love this question. It's like, uh, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Let me tell you, I think I'd be an old man, right, if it did. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom. This is the verse I want you to remember, right here, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So how can we live without worry? How can we do that? I want to suggest some things. I'm going to answer that question. <laughs> the first one is this. I think God invites, and I use the word invites because I don't think God ever dictates. I don't ever think, I mean, he calls us out, but he invites us. It's kind of up to us. But he invites us to change our pursuits. What do I mean by that? Well, I think there's this myth out there that somehow the Christian life is really about stopping things. You know, if I, I don't agree with that because part of it is, you know, you think about driving. When you want to go somewhere, you don't go to get somewhere. That is uh, by pushing on the brakes all the time. You go somewhere by pushing on the gas pedal to go. And that's a picture, for me, of the Christian life. So the question is, what direction are you going? What are you actually pursuing? That's the question, and I think that's the question that Jesus sort of brings up in the Sermon on the Mount. He begins this whole chapter by, by raising some powerful questions. One question is this, why do you do, or for whom, actually, are you doing what you do? And he raises a whole bunch of questions about religious practices. Are you trying to impress your friends or your neighbor or yourself? In fact, he brings it up in, in chapter, I won't read all these verses, but he brings it up in chapter 6. He says, look, in your giving, yeah, be generous, but, but why are you giving? Are you giving to impress the people you're giving to or your friends? No, in fact, give in such a way that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. And then he talks about prayer. 
So why are you praying? Are you praying so you can be heard? Are you praying so your neighbor can see you? Why are you praying? Are you praying actually to connect with God? So go in your closet into this hidden place where the Father sees what's happening and pray from there. And then he talks about fasting, you know, this, this idea of giving up something. And he says, don't mess up your hair and make people think you're, you're struggling. Just do it. It's kind of like saying, why do you come to church? Are you checking off the list? Are you trying to impress a family member? Why are you doing this? What's your goal? What's your end pursuit? Who are you trying to impress? And then he asks another question, a really deep question. What's sort of your purpose in all of this? And I want to just read some of those verses. What's really your purpose in your life? He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you pursuing earthly treasures that ultimately pass away, or are you pursuing heavenly treasures, eternal treasures? And then he goes on, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, this is the way I would interpret that. He's like, if you are keeping your eyes fixed on God, the ways of God, the will of God, the purpose of God, then things are going to go well. But if you're focusing on the things of this earth, it's like you bring death into your life. So what are you pursuing? What are you looking at? What are you filling your life and your mind with? And then he ends this section by saying, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So he says, look, at the end, you can't serve two masters. You've got to choose. What's the trajectory of your life? What are you pursuing? Am I going to live a self-directed life or am I going to live a God-directed life? In other words, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other things will be added unto you. So what's your pursuit? Where are you headed? What's your life direction? What's your goal? Who are you trying to please? That's a really fundamental question. It's huge. You want to live a life without worry? I think you need to decide. What direction are you going? Who are you seeking to pursue? Here's the next thing. I think if we're to live a life without worry, I think God invites, I'm going to use that word again, he doesn't demand, he invites us to hand over our concerns to literally pray in everything. Now, you know, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he rarely asks us to do things that he's not willing to demonstrate and do himself. And so there's a picture that I have that illustrates, I think, this idea of learning how to hand over concerns where Jesus has, he, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
If you remember, he's been with his disciples, and he is uh, now anticipating being, being betrayed and then arrested, and then he's beaten, and then he's put on a cross. And he knows what's happening. In fact, he is crying out to God. He's saying, Father, please take this from me. I don't want this. In fact, so much, he's stressed out so much that it says in the scriptures that he literally was sweating drops of blood. That's some serious worry and concern. But then he says something, he says this, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Why, why do I like that picture so much? Here's why. Because he's being honest. Here's the son of heaven, the son of God, who is expressing his own fear and his own concern, and he's bringing it to the Father, not afraid, not afraid to express himself and to say, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. But in the end, he surrenders, and he says, but not my will, your will be done. In Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul writes some great words. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, what? Present your request to God. And then what? And then the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a prescription. Here's what you do when you're worried. You come to God, and you take those burdens and those concerns, and you lay them down at his feet. And there's something that happens just by admitting that, that God's peace sort of washes over us. Now, here's the thing. I, I want to just back up just a little bit. Here's the thing I, I would say about our church that I want, I believe is true, and I want to continue to believe is true. There, there, is, there are some, I, I think, that, that believe that you have to come to church after you've kind of gotten your act together. Or, you know, I, I did my business. You can't come if you're broken or concerned or worried and all these things. And I would say that's false. No, this is a place you come. Broken people come in here. We want you to come in here with all of your stuff, with all of your concerns, with all your brokenness, with all your sin, with everything it is. You come. You are welcome here because together, together, we come and we lay things down at the foot of the cross. That's what we do. We bring it to the Lord. You know, it's been a crazy uh, 14 months or so, and pre-pandemic, Giselle and I were actually empty nesters. And then the pandemic happened, and all these people started showing up. I'm like, what are you people doing here? I mean, it, it sort of rocked our world, and to have these adult kids come back and live with us. Now, I went through a, I went through a sort of crisis. Now, okay, I'm uh, full disclosure again. It was an amazing time. I, it was a gift of God to be with my kids in that way. I mean, we'll never have that opportunity probably again, that they'll live with us like that. 
Like, but I got to tell you, it revealed some things about me that, that kind of freaked me out because I was like listening to them and, you know, kind of watching them make decisions. I'm like, who is this child? I have lost all control. I have no influence. You know, and it's not like I wanted to be such a great dad or anything, but I at least wanted to be a dad. I just wanted to have some influence, some connection. And so, you know, I actually saw this on my desk one day. And this was a gift given to me by a friend who's a pastor in India, which we should pray for them, but uh, they're going through a lot. He said, here, I want you to have this, and it's just a journal. A lot of blank pages in here. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I, I was always afraid to open it up. It was, like, so nice. And, and so what I did was I, I wrote at the top of each of the pages, I wrote my kids' names. And I just started saying, God, I don't know these kids hardly, it seems like. But I'm trusting that you do. Would you help me? Help me to understand. And so I just started writing some things down, and I would pray those things. And I started praying for my kids in ways that I had never prayed before. I mean, if you're going to really be honest, my wife is more the prayer warrior than I am. But I began to learn some things. I was like, wow. And then about January of this year, I decided that I would make a, a resolution. You know, my, my goal was simply this. All I wanted to do is I, I wanted to say, I'm going to somehow make a connection with my children. You know, I'm going to write them, call them, text them, do something about once a week. And, you know, I'm, believe me, I am not perfect in all of that, but I am learning. I'm learning how to be connected to my kids in a different way. And I'm learning how to bring my concerns, not only for them, but their concerns to the Father. And so I did that. In fact, my oldest son, I actually talked him into doing, reading a book, and so about an hour a week, he can actually call it professional development. He gets to meet with his dad for an hour on Fridays, which is pretty cool, right? But if I'm going to live without worry, I have to constantly bring my concerns to the one who can do something about it. And then here's the trick in all of that. Am I willing to trust the results to God? You know, 1 Peter 5 says, cast all your anxiety in him because he cares for you. God cares for us. But here's the other thing. God invites us not only to hand over our concerns, God invites us then to patiently trust that he will do his work. Because my temptation is to pick it up again, whatever that concern is, and to figure out I have to take care of it. But here's an assumption that I'm trying to live with. The idea is this, that God is always at work and he's up to something good. God is at work doing something good in me. God is at work doing something good in my spouse or my kids or my neighbor or my business or whatever it is. God is at work. And do I trust that? And do I believe that? And will I patiently trust the outcome will be for good? Here's what Philippians 1.6, again, Paul, the Apostle Paul put some words to this. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion. In other words, he's going to do the work that I'm entrusting him with until the day of Christ Jesus. A pastor friend was telling me about this young man that had joined his church, and he was just gushing about this guy. He said he was brilliant, he's just so smart, and he's really enjoyed getting connected with him. Well, he told me more of his story. This, this young man was actually a surgeon, brilliant, just very, very good at what he did, and he started to practice in the community where he was, and, and it sort of took off, it flourished, and everything from the outside looked like things were going great. But what was happening to him on the inside was this, that he started thinking, I can never make a mistake. It's going to impact my patients. It's going to impact their families. Or it's going to come back to hurt me. And he just got so consumed with worry and anxiety, he walked away. He gave it up. And that's when he connected, sort of reconnected with his faith and started coming to my friend's church. And so he's, he was meeting, and my friend was saying, you know, that's an incredible story. What if, what if you just started meeting with God every day and writing some things down and saying, here's my day, God. Would you take care of some of these things? And, and so this young man did. This young, brilliant surgeon started meeting with God every day. And over time, he actually sensed that God was inviting him to start this thing back up again. And so he did. And his practice just exploded. It it flourished. But here's the thing. Every day, he would continue to meet with God. And every day, he would say to God, God, here are my patients today. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need your help. I need your guidance and direction And I'm going to trust you with the results. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do the best that I can do. But I need your help. And it literally tripled in size this this sort of number of patients that he was seeing. It wasn't anything so much that he did differently. It was something that God did in him. God did a work in him. Am I going to trust that God is up to something good, that he has my good in mind, and that he will carry it on to complete, even when I don't understand it, even when I can't see it, even when, you know, it seems like it's so far out there, and I don't know what to do. Okay. Here's what I want us to do. What's top of mind? What's the top of your list? Go back to your list for a minute. What do you need to give over to the Lord? Would you do that with me? Let's take just a moment, just to be quiet. Just to quietly pray just to quietly trust, to bring our honest requests, whatever it is, be honest, to the Father and just lay it there. Would you do that? Let's pray together.
God in true surrender. We want to quit fighting with anyone or anything. And, and this morning, we have to recognize that the biggest battle and maybe the only worth, the battle worth fighting is that which is within us. So here are honest prayers. We turn our hope over to you and we pray that you would make it your hope. We give you our dreams. We give you our problems and we allow them to become your problems. We make our expectations the expectation of your gracious working in our hearts and our minds. We determine ourselves to act the best we can according to what we know to be acts of love for you and love for others. God, we give up our agenda in order to live according to your agenda. Everything about us is yours. Our life is no longer ours to run. We give it over to you. And our life will be what you determine it to be. In Jesus' name.